Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Episode number two with Liberally Correct. Once again, coming to you live from Los Angeles. And by live, I mean recorded. Brett Matson, are you, are you, this, it's tomorrow where you are compared to last night when we were recording. Is it, are you still in Philadelphia? I'm still in Philadelphia. I've managed to stay put for two entire days. So, okay. It's kind of a wreck. All right. All right. The, uh, what do you yeah. want to talk about today? Well, the, uh, the, the song you just heard is uh, Street Finding Man by Rage Against the Machine, originally, of course, by the Rolling Stones. From the covers album Renegades, it's uh, cool. Check it out. Uh, we'll be playing another song from it to uh, close out the show. Technically, it's illegal to play non-pod safe music, but... I don't think anyone's listening at this point. So yeah, so who, yeah who, who cares? We decided to cut the first episode short because we were... It was getting a little, much longer, actually. I was going to say a little longer, but it was really much longer than we intended. And we want to keep these episodes to about an hour. We don't want to take up too much of your time here. So the next... We also feel like we get boring after about an hour. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. If I I don't have Red Bull after... It's important. I know your routine. If uh, like four hours goes by without a Red Bull, I'm not... uh, Yeah, without caffeine generally. It's it's not good for me. So... so, What we got today? This is going to be a major, major topic of conversation. For us, at least. Initially, <laughs> I, I sort of pictured this as us coming out guns blazing on this issue in the first episode, but probably wanted to keep things a little little more civil on the first, the first episode to kind of welcome you in a little bit before yelling and screaming. Do you feel welcomed? We hope everybody feels welcomed. Yeah. You want to yell and scream? You'll you'll, you'll even get a goodie bag on on your way out. Yeah. Yeah. So we are going to talk about Bernie Sanders, the 
first episode, we talked a lot about Trump and how it was that, that he won. We still haven't gotten too deeply into a lot of the issues that we will discuss in subsequent ep- episodes, I suspect. But off the top, we sort of need to discuss Bernie Sanders and the sort of Never Hillary movement and uh, sort of the, the role that they played. Because it was a very large portion of the narrative, was it not? I think it was. I also would like to say, just you know, for the record, so that I can be heard, on the on on the air of the internet, whatever that is. Fuck Bernie Sanders. Fuck yeah, that's Ber- um, probably going to be the title of this episode, actually. Fuck Bernie. I'm not as angry at him as I was even the night before the election. I was actually kind of angry. I was. I remember talking to you uh, on the phone the night before the election because this is what it came to. We were so anxious about what was going to happen the next day, even though the media was telling us not to worry. I remember saying something to the effect of like, oh, man, I, just, I can't believe Bernie did what he did and turned so many people against Hillary like I can't believe it almost it almost came it almost like came to this Armageddon kind of thing. Little did we know that at, that Trump would actually win the next day. Well, we kind of we we thought it might happen, which was more that's, than everybody else in the country that's seemed true. to think. Well, we were actually <laughs> worrying about it. That was we were very worried about yes. it. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, so and all year we were talking we, we were talking back and forth. You were in China. I was I was here. Obviously, I don't go to China. Sorry. Not even, not even if they paid you me money, I would not go to China. Um, you don't, you don't fuck with that. Is what you're saying? Yeah, I could, I could tell that this was that that this was a problem. There was this anger that people were being asked to vote for her just because she was a woman, which was funny because Trump actually, well, probably yeah. not him himself, but his campaign. You know, the relatively smart people involved in that operation were harped women. on that. Yes, repeated and said, "Well, why would you vote for her just because she's a woman?" And I mean, I heard that from more lefty friends. You know, she's not entitled to my vote just because. I heard, well, she doesn't really stand for me. A friend told me, I asked, why wouldn't you vote for her against, you know, the crazy person? This is pretty deep into the election. You know, they're, they're both the candidates now. The, the conventions are passed. My friend said, well, I think she's a rich person's candidate. Yes, I forgot and I couldn't, about that one. Yeah, yeah and I, I couldn't wrap my head around that because I'm like, that's a rich person's candidate is so much less, I mean, by his standards, by this friend's standards, a rich person's candidate was every president of the United States going back is much further than either of us have been alive. So I'm like, well, okay, so the worst thing that happens is things basically stay the same by his, by his reasoning. And yet that is such a crime that you would rather see what happens or sit it out. Well, the reason um, I've never bought that she's a rich person's candidate because th- this is she not gave secret meaning to Goldman Sachs bankers. Oh, please. I, I don't see what is wrong with... Defend yourself. Um, Defend yourself and your caddy. Oh, please. What do you mean by, oh, please? Right. I, I, don't, I don't see what's wrong with... I use with, that word with, in a sentence. I, I, I don't, what is wrong with enriching yourself after um, after you're out of office? It's like, what are you supposed to do? I mean, you go into the private sector and you make money. That, that somehow disqualifies you from earning your vote? I, I, I don't understand that. But she, I don't think you understand. They were secret meetings oh, covered up. Well, they they were, were. There were speeches. Yeah. <laughs> no, they were secret meetings. It was a cabal. Oh, I'm going to throw the words. Here, let me form a sentence for you. Cabal, Goldman, Sachs, Cabal, Goldman, Sachs. Speech, talk, Hillary, Cabal, Goldman, Sachs. Yeah, okay. Never Hillary. Now, to, to be fair, I, I don't... I, I don't hate Bernie Sanders. I, I think Fuck he's, Bernie Sanders. Yeah, well, I don't like what he did in terms of 
determining the outcome of this election. I always liked him whenever he was on real time with Bill Maher, which he was uh, before he went on this crusade. But he was always kind of like this uh, cranky old grandpa who had these like crazy uh, views, basically. I, I remember him talking about because he was like an independent and I was kind of like, huh, that's interesting. I've since kind of changed my views on on parties generally, but I was like, oh, well, we need more independence in Congress. We need more, I I think, people to the left of the Democratic Party, because I've always criticized the Democratic Party for not really representing liberal views, I don't think. I'd say now they do a much better job of that since this election. But I always liked him. But this was because he was on a talk show, basically doing his talking points. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I mean, income and wealth inequality, that's, yeah, that, I mean, that sucks. I don't like that. Yeah, we should have, you know, we should be working toward a universal health care system that works, whether Medicare you're, for you're all. You're throwing water. You're throwing all this yes. water on my hot, my scalding yes. take. And I still uh, say, fuck Bernie Sanders. Well, this is about to change direction. So, yeah, I always, I, I always, I always liked him. And then when I saw he was running for president, I was like, oh, well, that's, that's, Kind of cool because I mean it was it was going to be so boring with just Hillary. Um, cute is the word that I would have gone for. Oh, that's yeah. cute. <laughs> Grandpa's going to run for president. But the important thing to me was, you know, I mentioned in the last uh, episode that I've never voted for a Republican. I've been thinking more about about why that is. I really did not like the Sarah Palin pick in two thousand eight, and to me that one kind of opened up the floodgates to all this kind of bullshit with the Tea Party. And I, I really, uh, and, and Trump, and I oh, really... Oh, well, hang on, hang on. You can keep going with this one. Is this going to come back to Bernie? Because we're yes. talking about Bernie. Yes. Okay. All right, go for it. So 2008, um, you, before 2008, as like, you know, a teenager, right? You would have thought yes. Republicans, Democrats, basically equal, right? No, that was more like 2000. Okay. Okay. So we're going to talk about that. Years. That's, that's, that's part of the reason why I selected Rage Against the Machine as the music for this episode. Um, oh, I'll go okay. back to that in a second. But I'm talking. I'm just okay. talking about uh, parties generally, and and how Bernie has been was outside of that. And okay. you know, eventually, we're going to move this discussion to how he basically attempted a hostile takeover of the Republican, uh, not Republican, uh, Democratic Party. All um, right. Well, then take me back to Sarah Palin to explain all this. I I really did not like the sort of populist up- uprising that I think re- basically started with the Sarah Palin pick. And I've, I've really hated how Fox News basically has a they, they basically have the Republican Party on a leash. And I just I, I yeah. but anyway, so um, the part where it's so you think the, the idea that it is a sin to be a professional, that's a sin to know to acquire any technical knowledge that doesn't involve heavy machinery is something that was enforced <laughs> by the Sarah Palin pick. I've never thought about that, but yeah, there was, I don't know if you um, if you caught the debate while you were in China with with Marco Rubio throwing out the line like, "Oh, we need we need more welders, not philosophy philosophers or whatever." Did you catch that one? I think we already have more welders than philosophers. I, I have to believe that's the truth. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think I read about it. Video was hard to come by in Shanghai. <laughs> also, clean air. Clean air was super tough to yeah. So. <laughs> I, I kind of liked the idea that Bernie was kind of injecting some new life into the Democratic Party during the primary process, particularly since it was it was so boring. There was there was no there was no bench to speak of, and 
wow, did we not realize that that was a problem at the time? Because no I, bench I just, for, oh, the, for the Democrats. So there, just, were, there was just a dearth of exciting young candidates or exciting candidates, period. Or any candidates. I mean, there were a third as many candidates on the Democratic side as there were on the Republican side. I don't, I don't think we should consider this a measure of strength. I mean, let's be fair that like Bobby Jindal, for instance, never had a chance at anything. That's true. I just saw earlier today, actually, that Chris Christie. Didn't Newt run again? Did Newt run again or was that last time? No, that was track. last time. I was overseas. Yeah, he's, he's oh, that was beautiful. No. No, I, Back I saw, when that sort I of saw thing that Chris, funny, Chris Christie is now at like a 77 or 78% uh, disapproval rating. That um, seems actually low. Yeah. <laughs> New Jersey went like 93% Democrat or something. So I, it was it was the strange thing where don't fact check that was an exaggeration, but yes, it went it went pretty strongly Democrat. <laughs> it was the strange thing where the Republican primaries was like this glorious reality show, or it would have been glorious if it had turned out that you know they had lost in the end. But that it was it was a lot of fun to watch that, and then the Democrats were just they were actually having mature conversations, and it was kind of boring from uh, from like a TV shape, rest from peace. a TV. Yes. No, he was he was awful. But it was it was a healthy debate. I thought Bernie was was raising issues um, in terms of bring in terms of introducing concepts that I think do need to be a, a part of the discourse in terms of, you know, like like I said, uh, universal health care. We need to at least be talking about that. And, and on both sides, since, since I think Republicans got a lot of Republican voters probably want that too, ultimately, or they at least want healthcare for themselves. I don't know if they want it for other people. Yeah, but, they want automatic uh, government cut in there, yeah. healthcare for um, like everybody on their on their block. But you know, people a town over, eh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, and the income and wealth inequality. Now, the problem is this never evolved into anything that was other than just Bernie giving the same speech over and over where all he would do is just vaguely address these issues with no, you know, constructive concrete policy plans to actually do any of it because that's not what he was there for. He didn't think that he was going to win when he started. Otherwise he would have just run as an independent, I think. Oh, we should, that. we'll come back. Yeah. To that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we should definitely talk about that as well. And this turned into this this whole thing. It got so nasty, like the the Facebook and Twitter flame wars that were happening. I got into a few of them. I must admit, even though I like, as I said in the first episode, I'm not a registered Democrat. So like, I didn't even vote in the California primary or any primary for that matter. We need to talk about the primary process too because I hate the primary process. Too many um, pens and too many things. Finish the thought. Yeah. This turned into a very, very, very bad thing. I'm searching for like a more sophisticated word. Dangerous. Hey, we're, we're, sort we're of, at a time in American history yes. where like bad and thing yes. is about the exact level <laughs> of the national discourse. So keep it going. But this turned into like a devastating thing ultimately for, uh, for Hillary. And we're going to dedicate Ow. this episode to talking about the damage that was uh, that was done in terms of people who. Fuck Bernie well, Sanders. That's like one part of a barbershop. Because they, were, they, would, they would be having these debates or whatever. And Hillary would she wouldn't be able to attack him. Like Bernie was never attacked ever, at least not as a as a as a serious candidate, because Hillary had to sort of put on this sort of smiley face like I can't 
look bad because I have to ultimately, you know, once I win this thing, ultimately compete in the general. I can't bear There can't be guy. tape of me blowing up or purposely yeah. insulting somebody who champions a lot of policies, however vaguely, that I actually support. So I kind right. of got to just take and this. It, like this thing team, that she didn't really you know, disagree with. I mean, she's like, yeah, I, I don't like you know, income and wealth inequality either. <laughs> I would like to get the Affordable Care Act expanded to 100% from the 90% it is right now in terms of population that's covered. You know, it's it's all about presentation, I suppose, which is another thing we need to discuss. That's what, like three things that we need to come back to? Now you steer things. So I Oh, so now be punchy. Now yes. throw a few. Yes. Um, let me start with fuck Bernie Sanders. And let me explain why. Bernie Sanders, I guess he's maybe a nice guy. I kind of don't care at this point because nice nice guy is an important thing to be if you're my neighbor like if you're across the street from me and i say hi in the morning and i maybe need your help with something or you had a friend who parked a car somewhere i didn't like and i i want to know that i can knock on your door and have that be okay Uh, i want to know that if i'm blasting music you'll come over to me and say hey can you turn that down and you won't call the cops right i that that's what i want from a neighbor that's that's a great quality once you start being in charge of things, it's not enough to be nice. And Bernie Sanders yes. essentially has never been in charge of anything, and suddenly got yeah, he's always up. been he's always been this outsider who's he's been in the political wilderness yeah, for a thousand years. He's never an, he was an opportunist in the same his, way that Trump was an opportunist. Um, yes, he, and it's it he, was totally about ego. Even like to the end, like uh, to me, it was so fraudulent. He was such a charlatan in terms of you know we got down to the to the final months of the primary and he could have called off his his campaign for like uh like two months earlier or three months earlier than he did but he still had the money he still had donations coming in because people like believed in his like cult uh, personality i guess he was still taking donations from he was representing the poor people still taking donations from these poor people despite the fact that his campaign was dead in the water i just don't respect that yeah, at the same time he was doing that, he started the whole you can't trust elections deal because he yeah. and his campaign manager, Jed Weaver, went everywhere they could and told everybody who would listen to them that the Democratic Party didn't like them, which was true, which was obvious. Like, we didn't need leaked emails to know that. Obviously. Yeah. All right. Tan- tangent alert. If you well, are no, a no private. Ca- no campaign likes another campaign. When you're running for the same office, but, that, but what he's saying is <laughs> his his accusation was that the Democratic Party was against him, and he said it was the the party leadership didn't like him, and he spun that out to they're trying to steal the election from me, and you got to keep giving me money, and you got to keep turning out, and you got to keep hammering away on Facebook, you know, and yeah. you have to keep alienating your friends until I win in a stunning upset, don't believe the polls. He did all the shit Trump did later. He did all the same shit. And when uh, the emails were leaked from the DNC, you have people all over saying, see, see. Like nobody, of course, actually read any of these emails. Right, and I did. I actually looked at them, and it was... Talk to me about them. Nothing really out of the ordinary uh, in terms of, I mean, people were were highlighting, uh, maybe some of them came highlighted from WikiLeaks or whatever, but... I really did not see anything that was this was this is the thing like it, it was always all smoke no fire with with all of these you know quote unquote scandals with Hillary like it was never where was the there there was no there there every single time and I I I, I know and I honestly was looking I 
I was like, oh, the DNC colluded to, you know, screw Bernie Sanders. I'm like, I, yeah, people in the, this organization sent emails to each other. People in charge of a thing communicated with each other. Oh my god, fucking collusion. Yes, and they had pre-existing relationships because they are in the same party that Bernie was not in. That Bernie's um, still not in. Yes, that Bernie's still not in. Yeah, he. he Parties, parties are private institutions. They're not like in the Constitution. There's no national law that says, and by the way, we have to have two of these. One's going to be a fucking elephant. Go, go figure. Yeah. And the other and one so, will be like a weak ass donkey. Well, whenever, like, any, <laughs> whenever anybody was complaining, so the complaint I got over and over was, so in the state of New York, you had to be registered as a Democrat in October or something for the primary that was in, I don't know, the spring. March or April, something like that. And they were like, oh, that's rigged. Like, they, they just they totally screwed Bernie out of that one because there are all these people who want to vote for Bernie that can't because they didn't know that they were supposed to register as a Democrat. They by, didn't by the know October because they wouldn't deadline. have registered as Democrats otherwise because they didn't actually care about the Democratic Party, well, which is fine. And that's only, like, the, that's only one be side player, of it. But... What about all the moderates that wanted to switch over and vote for Hillary Clinton? in the primary what about those people like they didn't get to vote either so i mean i just listen if you're not if you're not spitting fire on facebook if you're not spitting fire on facebook you don't exist you're not a voter who he says (laughs) so i i don't buy that bernie got screwed parties are private institutions i I just yeah someone who wasn't part of that private institution and in fact disagreed with it like its existence essentially frequently (laughs) That's that's a slight exaggeration, but a lot of hyperbole. Podcast. So, someone who basically never really liked the leadership set of the Democratic Party and voted with them because they were closer to his island. <laughs> they were the part of the mainland that was closer to him than uh, than the Republicans, but he's still on an island. So he lines up with them, but he never really likes them. He's never quite part of their club. Suddenly, he crashes their club and says, you have to make me Lord Chief Emperor of your club. And they're like, well, we actually, unfortunately, we have a system for you to do that. If you collect enough votes using these procedures that we set up before you were a thing. And he says, oh, man, I probably can't win that way. Fuck you guys. The whole thing is rigged. That's that's how I went. It seemed like it was more of his supporters that were that were saying it more than he was, at least pu- at least publicly. Um, Look, man, no, I, I think uh, so. He did a better job than his campaign manager, but he sicked his campaign manager. Yeah. on on the DNC and he had him suggesting and he himself was kind of suggesting things were rigged the results were not quite fair people were being held back from voting that should be voting that the, the idea was if, if I'm not winning someone did something institutionally immoral and thus illegal like because because he's been on an island he doesn't really make a distinction between things he thinks should be different and things that are like technically illegal which is yeah. important in a country of laws <laughs> But so he's like, it feels unfair, therefore it's illegal, which is also what's wrong, which is what's unfair. It's the same thing. Bad Democratic Party. They're shady, they're shaky. And Hillary, poof, what's with these emails? <laughs> which, is, which is funny because it was a turnabout from when he started in the base saying he didn't care about that. Um, right. and, and granted, granted, he never said, oh my God, everyone, we got to look at the email. Like he didn't say anything that explicit, but he went back to the idea repeatedly well, that it, shady. It, 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 it became a, it became a lot more passive aggressive over time. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. let let's pull back the camera lens a little bit into a wider shot. So, wait, wait, hang on, hang on. In this wider shot, I can still see 
the bonfire I left on the beach that spells out <laughs> fuck Bernie. Okay, continue. Send the hate mail to Brett, not to me. So we need to talk about exactly from a broader perspective what exactly happened in this election as far as let's talk about what democracy is in terms of what it is susceptible to the the democracy republic hybrid that we live in that our system of government really has one weakness and that is the demagogue well also doritos and crushing obesity but yes the demagogue probably yes. related wasn't aware Doritos was a permanent enterprise, but okay. Doritos is one of the funniest products that anyone's ever made, so I just try and throw that in there whenever okay. I can. Don't don't call it my tricks. Continue the demagogue. Yes. So what happens in a in a democracy is okay. Everybody is free to elect the leader they want. A demagogue is somebody who comes in and basically preys on. Uh, people's wants and desires that may not be, uh, and this kind of is paternalistic, but may not be best for them. That certainly happened on the Republican side, in my estimation. I do not think uh, Donald Trump was, I mean, we know for sure that it's not what the Republican Party wanted, and but the people sort of voted for Trump anyway. Hang on, hang on. So, Stick, yes. one, one pin of that, we'll come back to this almost immediately. One of my favorite things about this interim period, this, this interregnum, is Republicans going on morning shows to talk about their shit and then pretending like they've never heard of Donald Trump. <laughs> Still, like, I mean, they, they, they use his name and they talk about the president-elect and all these glowing terms. But then anyone says, like, hey, did you hear yesterday when he said, like, hey, if someone burns a flag, you should be allowed to rape and pillage their village. You know, like, they're like, oh, my God, I didn't, I've never heard of Twitter. I don't know what that is. This is my favorite <laughs> thing to watch right now. <laughs> it's good. What I want to know is why are they still going on these shows? Like, why is Paul Ryan answering any media requests at this point? So he can come on and they can be like, so, so Paul Ryan, remember the part where you're like, fuck Trump? And he's like, no, I, I don't think that I've ever had thoughts that were written down before. And they're like, no, for, for serious, you did. He's like, did you hear that? I think I, I got to go. There's a thing. <laughs> like, why do you show up if you can't actually answer any of the questions that they most want to ask you? Uh, I love it. It's my favorite thing. Anyway, you were in on uh, demagogues on the right. Yes. What about demagogues so, on the left? You can see where we're coming here. So one of the things that is that is happening, to pull the camera lens back even farther, is there is a, there's been a decline in the strength of institutions in this country, including political parties. And this is a case where the Republican Party as an institution was not strong enough to withstand the force of someone like Trump coming through and basically laying waste. Now, on the left, the Democratic Party, by a more narrow margin than I was comfortable with, actually did withstand the Bernie surge because, let's face it, Bernie was a demagogue too. It's someone who preys upon the, as they would have said in the olden times, the baser right. passions of an electorate to get what they want, regardless of whether or not their promises yeah, I mean, are so, feasible or legal or even standing, it, regardless of whether or not they're also consistent too. Like they say, through the force of my personality, through, through the, the fire that lives within me, I will get you what you want which is an impossible thing for any one person can really do for anyone in, in any arena of life. Now, 
now the uh, lens is sort of outside of the studio, but uh, <laughs> the, yes. the shot is too wide. It's too wide. But I mean, it's true in it's true with a job. No job can completely satisfy you. No relationship, a friendship, a romantic relationship, nothing can completely satisfy you. Anyone who tells you I alone can give you the thing that you've been missing, and it's not your fault. We're going to get them, those people who have been hurting you. Anyone who says that in any arena of life is obviously lying because that's that's simply not human existence. Uh, uh, and I think Bernie essentially said that. He was more subtle than Trump because every other living thing is more subtle than Trump. But he said similar things from a different angle. Yeah, and he used, he used a similar pr- approach, which is this idea that he would transform society and transform the country into this fundamentally different system of government where he's you know he's all he's obviously all about the democratic socialist platform i guess i guess it's a platform uh it's really just him and countries in northern europe but the reason why i was just hitting the the buzzer on that one from the start was none of that gets done with republicans in the majority of either house of congress like yeah (laughs) that's just a fact like nothing bernie wants to get done can happen while that is the case and we're, Democrats were just not going to take back the house. I mean, that just wasn't going to happen. Um, it's, I, it's not going to happen for quite a long time. If it ever does. Yeah. We can talk about that more later, but yes. And the way that Bernie went about this was particularly somewhat, I, I don't know if, I don't know if hurtful would was, was is the way I, I would describe it, but it just, it was kind of offensive to me simply because as somebody who's like sort of left of center and someone who who has been most of my life, even though I have, I, I think the government should, should be pragmatic and essentially centrist. But I I sort of come from it from a more of the left side. I've always hated it when conservatives basically say like liberals want free shit. That's all they want. They want they want the rich people to pay for free shit. I've always I've always hated that because. To me, it's like if I see a homeless person or whatever, um, or or just poor people in general, I don't, you know, it's it's not just on a on a human level of like, well, I don't want to see them suffer or whatever. It's it's that I don't think it's constructive to society to have these people who who essentially aren't uh, contributing. So if we can, if it takes government action to get them on their feet, then great. Then that means we have more taxpayers. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, I, that's I, the, I understand that that's probably too idealistic, but I think that's what we well, should. Strive well, it's for. also that's, what, that's I, I, what we should strive for. Let me let me put this in here. You yes. um, oh, phrasing, but <laughs> the, the, that's uh, the way you're talking about that is almost old school Republican in ideology. Like, I think yes. when you say um, I'm not trying to be naive about poverty, I, I don't think that letting so many people slip through the cracks is conducive to any of our desires for our government or our basic lifestyle. That's not the argument that I think most people make on the left. Most people on, especially this fringe left that was coming out, make clearly the, the feeling argument. People are hurting. They need to not be hurting. Okay, how can we do that? The well, government has to fix it. <laughs> on, on Well, with Bernie, it, it essentially became everyone said i'm hurting and i want this and i want that which i just you know and i'm i'm really gonna sound like an old school republican like i you know you sh- <laughs> I, I don't We're young old men that's our yes hook. okay the government does a lot of essential things more than we realize but it should not be some sort of goal to be reliant upon the government <laughs> if 
by by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, this, I mean, very very broadly, we should have uh, a government that we can all rely on. Generally, like you should expect the roads to basically be okay. You ex- should expect yes. bridges to hold you. You should expect accounts of you know total income of the government and total expenditures to be reliable. You should expect you should expect transparency in election results. You should be able to see very soon after an election exactly how many people voted for which person, right? So, so in that sense, we should all depend on the federal, local, and state governments in that weird roundabout order I just went through. But yeah, for your for your day to day life beyond those beyond that sort of safety net, you, you shouldn't have to interact with the government too much. That should be the goal. I feel like. Unless you're unless you're employed by the government, which many Americans are, you yes. you shouldn't have to directly interact with the government too much. Right. What Bernie was selling with the you know, and I don't I don't like I said earlier, I don't mind the the universal healthcare thing. I don't know if Medicare. I just, I just don't know enough about how healthcare works to to know if Medicare for all is viable. I don't know. The research project for us. Yes. We'll look into it. As I said, income and wealth inequality is not great, and I blame Republican tax policies to a large extent. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, that's, one, that's on my list of things to talk about. But I just, uh, I, I want to keep this for the time being just on, on Bernie and how he was appealing to his uh, constituents or voters, I should say. The idea that socialism is a, like a good word, I, that was kind of, was, was a little hard to process. Is there anything you want to add at the moment? No, I think I've been. I think I've been talking a lot. When you say you're shocked that socialism is a good word, why? Why are you shocked by that? Because I think it's common to say. Uh, for for instance, if somebody told me that they were, you know, as as Bernie did, if someone said that they were going for a social democracy, the sort of thing you have in certain countries in Europe, roughly, approximately, with more information needed about specific policy proposals and government construction, I would say yes, that seems to be a good way to live for those countries. I'm I'm roughly in favor of paying more taxes to have a more stable day-to-day existence for more of our citizens. That that's essentially something that I'm fine with. Why yeah. is the very word socialist concerning to you? You know, it's not just uh, you know, the USSR. It's the idea that I, I just I don't buy Bernie's central pitch that every problem can be can be solved if we just take money from the rich and, and give it to the poor. Like, you know, with the uh, the enough is enough. We need to get the we need to take on the billionaire class and get the rich people to pay their fair share. And to me, that's that's weak campaign rhetoric, uh, because most of the people who are going to hear that have no idea how taxes work and that there are different type, types of taxes. And that rich people when rich people are uh, they, the way they make their money is not is, is through capital gains and not through wages or, or you know, W-2 salary. Someone who's not very rich, my entire knowledge of this comes from that uh, moment in 30 Rock where Liz Lemon asked Jack, can you do that thing for me where you take money and turn it into more money? And he says, with my eyes closed. That's, right. So that's, that's my understanding of this. Okay. We wanted to, to uh, discuss, or at least I wanted to uh, discuss Reaganomics and why I'm, I'm not into that uh, philosophy. When... In the 80s, they decided, and and again with George W. Bush, they decided to cut taxes for the rich. They cut the, I guess I guess it's called like the earned income tax, which is just the regular, you know, from wages or your W-2. 
In other words, if you're self-employed or if you work for someone else as an employee, the money you get from that as income. They decided to cut taxes for the wealthy on money earned that, that way because they figured, well, the rich will take that money and they'll invest it. And when they invested in, in assets like new businesses or real estate or stocks or you know whatever, that goes into the supply side, which then creates jobs. <laughs> the, the central problem with that is, and I should explain like the what what capital gains taxes are. So the other types of the other central type of money you can earn is from assets. So investments you own. So if you own a whole bunch of assets and investments, that money you earn from that gets taxed at a different rate. That's called the capital gains rate, which is at about it was at about fifteen percent. I think it's at now like eighteen or twenty. Uh, I own this microphone I'm talking to and some pretty dope ass monitors. Do I make money off of those? Can I can I be one of these people? No. <laughs> ah, it's unfortunate. All so, right. Continue fine. So for instance, the example I like to use is Mitt Romney. So he disclosed his tax, As everyone does. His, his tax returns when he ran for president and he only paid like twelve or thirteen percent. And everyone was like, How can that be? His secretary pays a higher rate. Then I thought you were going to say, how can that be? He turned over his tax return. Oh, now, but he the, but he paid a lower rate than his secretary. He did not. He did not work in either of those years. Like he did not work a, a salary job. So he made no money from wages. He made all of his money from his investments. He he and his assets. He you know he's worth like two hundred and fifty million dollars. So all of that was taxed at the capital gains rate of fifteen percent. And so with the uh, donations that he makes to, uh, you know, the Mormon Church, among other things, uh, he was able to deduct about another two or three percent, and so that's how we wound up paying twelve or thirteen percent on millions of dollars of income. Right? That's how it works for for rich people. So we'll, we'll get to Reaganomics and then and then Bernie Sanders. That's sort of the world of the rich. It's a different world. Um, you can buy a house and uh, depreciate the value of the house, so you don't have to actually pay any. As long as you're using it as a source of income and not a residency for yourself, you can depreciate property and not have to pay um, any taxes on it. Likewise, you can also start a uh, property holding company and sell that property and do what's called a 1031 exchange where you don't actually touch the, the money yourself that you make from this per- from this sale and purchase of another house because you do it through your company and then you don't get taxed at all. <laughs> So there are all these kinds of tricks that rich people know how to do. None of this involves the taxes that we're used to talking about, right? The W-2 yeah. that you get at the end of every year from your employer, right? And that has nothing to do with any of it. And that's where the rich people make their money. So, And I think it should be clear when you say that these are the things that rich people know how to do. There's an entire class of very skilled very skilled, essentially technicians, <laughs> financial yeah. technicians, accountants, lawyers who know about these laws and these rules and can help you through these things. But, you know, they got to eat, too. So their services simply aren't available to anybody who doesn't have enough money to pay them as sort of like a side gig. Right. As so, somebody who says somebody like Mitt Romney, you know, what's whatever his legal fees are per year. That's yeah. it's dropping the bucket because he's got so much. Um, and even far, far lower down the pole, but still very, very well off. 
you can afford people who know what these things are. So for you and me, we have to do like our own research, and clearly I didn't, to even find out what these exceptions are. And you know, I mean, the internet makes it easier, but, but it takes work on your part to even know how to <laughs> make money off your investments. Once you start... Once you start getting to a certain point of wealth, you have to have, you just have people who know first. That. Yeah, right. Most right. people you don't. Just, right. You just know. Eventually, the people who know what these and that's, things are, and, and that's kind of the thing because, because generally, the people that uh, Bernie was appealing to don't know the world of investing at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't either. But I, I guess I just know well, that I don't. I do, it didn't appeal to me either. <laughs> I do sort of. I read stuff on it i mean i the the book i recommend is is called a uh, cash flow quadrant by uh robert kiyosaki great book the, i would read it but netflix <laughs> hashtag millennial to bring that back to because we need to talk about reaganomics where in the 80s and again with george w bush cut the wages and kind of the, the w2 earned income employee they cut that for the rich because they said, oh, no, that, that creates jobs because they'll invest it. Here's the thing with, about that. So really, that's not supply-side econ- economics because, by and large, those rich people, I, I don't think they do invest it. I think they spend it on stuff they want and like, which is really more demand-side economics, right? You, you buy stuff, and then that makes the companies you buy, you buy the products and services from money, and then that increases demand. And then they have to hire more employees to meet that demand. That's sort of like people on the left um, prefer that type of taxation and um, economic theory. But the problem is they were they were just giving that to um, the rich people. So that so that was how the rich have been getting richer ever since the Reagan era because they didn't actually um, put that money where where they they figured they would put it. Like they just people just spent it because people were Americans. We, that's what we do. We spend our money. We don't put it aside. Um, yeah. This idea that you can just solve everything by making the rich pay more doesn't really hold any water to me. It's like, yeah, that's, that's a start. I mean, they already pay like, like the top rate is like 39% compared to, you know, you mean uh, the top wage rate you're talking about, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, if I was, if I had to give forty percent of what I was making to the to the government, I would I wouldn't be happy about that if I were rich. That's why you're not Swedish. That's it's just not realistic. And plus, rich people once you get rich enough, you don't actually make your money in that sort of wage column anymore. So to me, it's just the the money's just not there. If you if you want to just you know attack the rich, you're saying essentially you're trying to wring blood out of the stone yeah. <laughs> instead of going to the uh, the well that's next door. I guess in this metaphor, it's a blood well. That's a weird saying. I should work on that. But anyway, you're, you're, what you're saying is that there's this assumption, I guess, with Trump now, with George Bush II, Reagan, well, and I mean a, a lot of other thinkers around then, a lot of other elected officials. But there, there was this thought, and still remains, that if you cut wage taxes, there will be all this new money flowing into other people's jobs. But that's not even really where the money is. And we're already squeezing those people relatively tight, at least by American standards. We're already yeah, squeezing wages. I don't tight. think capital gains taxes, in other words, taxes from assets or investments, should be any higher than, than they are. Because that, that, really? that literally is where people are investing. <laughs> because if you, if you then cut into people 
because when people make their money from those investments, then they what they do is they take that money and they reinvest it, right? Because that's that's they already have money in that set aside for that purpose, right? And the profit that they get from assets and, and investments, they basically just put back into to reinvesting. So, um, and that 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 comes through buying real estate, investing in businesses, stocks and stuff you invest in so those investy things yes so okay so one of these things maybe we should talk about this later i'll throw this in quickly and we'll see if we have time for it maybe at the end there's this assumption here uh, when when people stop start talking about cutting taxes or when you said right there that we shouldn't raise taxes on capital gains because that's where the investment is actually occurring there's this assumption that uh individuals or, or small groups of individuals uh, working as a corporation or, or a company of some kind make smarter decisions, make better decisions, make shrewder decisions than the behemoth that is the government, particularly the federal government. And I just don't know that that's always true. I tend to think of that as a conflict of personality types, like the people who like to view themselves as aggressive, the people who like to take risks, the people who like to... Uh, to, who, who like that sort of drama in an often otherwise restrained life, uh, those sorts of people love that idea. But people who like large groups, people who like managing things, um, gravitate more towards people who like managing things without, uh, like, dated, like, like upkeeping things, people who like maintaining things, tend to gravitate towards government, and they think, well, no, we, we have a better perspective on this because we're not trying to risk constantly. So we should take a little of the money that you're making off of the safety that we provide, and you should trust us to put it back into the economy more than your gamble on whatever new thing. And maybe this is a, actually a difference between us. I tend to, I guess I'm more like that. I tend to trust the government people more. So I would say raise the capital gains tax. I mean, broadly, this is as a concept. The, the actual methods of doing so are, are undoubtedly intricate. But uh, as a concept, I would say, yeah, we should raise that. And maybe maybe go easy on wage tax simply because that's not really where the money is. But uh, I don't I don't mind taking away some investment money and giving it back to taxpayers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you I do, mean you do that when I've said something stupid too, though. So it puts oh, me on. I, no, it puts I mean that's um that's a fair it's a fair argument. Um, I I don't know what the answer is personally. Okay. Um, well, well, maybe we'll, we'll, have, we'll have to maybe have we'll my brother. We'll have to have my brother on. As one of the first guests we yeah, have. Yeah, we got to get some smarter people in this shit. Because <laughs> he, he understands investing. But so so we, what, was, what was Bernie's approach to that? Getting back to that. What was, was have, his answer to have, this thorny problem? I have no idea. I never heard anything from him that was uh, anything more intricate than billionaires need to pay their fair share. That's, that's like all I heard. So there's no idea so of like how I, they're going to pay their fair share? I that assume that would mean raising the capital gains tax. Huh. Um, you might you might be giving him more uh, <laughs> more credit. Well, I assume because, he's, I yeah. assume he's for raising any type of taxes, but yeah, at, over a certain threshold. Yeah, there's a point where that just doesn't work anymore. We can maybe hit that, or we can go a little broader. That's that's just anything that vague targeted against a group that's not you is dangerous, and it's demagogic if that's a word. Yeah, it's either demagogic or demagogic. We're, uh, Ooh, we, are in, we are into new territory. Yeah, I think I've heard it pronounced both ways. 
but interesting. Yeah, I, well, it's a sort it's, it's of a, it doesn't get used often because you know we haven't really had this problem before. With so the, so I'm I'm living in Northish Philly now. So let me say it like they would. It's uh, it's the sort of shit a fucking demagogue would say. Yeah. That's that's I think how they would put that. Yeah, and it's it's this idea that again, <laughs> you've got problems in your life. There are things that are hurting you. There are these outside forces that they they live to hurt you. I can fight them and win. And because of the fervor that I have and the fervor that you now have listening to me, we will overcome, which is just, I mean, that's a good way to get a mob started. Like, yes, you can like, like in the short term, in the very short term, like burning down Frankenstein's castle. Yeah, you can, you can do some shit that way. But when it comes to, you know, like policy details, it's just stupid. <laughs> I mean, to me, this was this election was a no-brainer, even if you include the other two candidates. So if, if there, you look at the four candidates, you had Trump, Hillary, Jill Stein, and Gary Johnson. To me, Fuck Jill Stein. To me, only one of those candidates is even capable of being, you know, functionally able to run the government. Like, for, like I don't care about. I mean, this is where I think. You and I are on the same page, and we both kind of disagree with basically most other Americans. I like I I just I don't care about this. It's it's certainly a fair criticism that that Hillary Clinton has no charisma. I I, I will grant you that until the cows yeah. come home. But I, I like I don't really care about that because that's only on rare occasions is that the job that the president right. has to be careful. And on those occasions, she would be bad at that part of the job. And that's unfortunate. You want someone who's good at every part of the job, but I, I don't think that person exists. It's a it's huge like, yeah. There's job. A, there's a school shooting, and you need to appear on TV, give a speech to make everybody feel good. Yeah, that that a bunch of kids died Which, wondering what how was is happening. That, but like, how does that mean you're good at being president? Like to me, that's just that's a totally surface aspect of the job. I mean, who gives a shit? Obviously, people die. Wow, it's, ter- it's terrible. That's a but, hot take. But, wow, that's what we went from like a fourteen-year-old's bleeding to death, wondering is there a god in a school hallway, and you're like, well, that's not really the president's fault. So, <laughs> yeah, well, holy shit, holy shit, that got dark. I'm just saying that's um, like, that that's, that has nothing to do with with job performance. You know, it's not. <laughs> I just I don't. Really I, I would say it has a little bit to do with job performance. I would say that you are a public figure, and it would be bad that Hillary would not be inspiring in those moments. I think that is a legitimate demerit against her. Those things are so rare, and they're so unfortunately not yeah, rare enough. Not in America, as, not as rare as they should be. Yeah, right. but but events like that are so relatively rare. Um, and I don't just mean students; I mean any national or international event that requires a direct comment by the president, where they tell the TV for those people still watching the traditional TV, "Hey, turn it off. The president's got to talk." She would be bad at those things, I think, and that that's unfortunate because that is an important part of the job. It's one of the few times many Americans will actually form an opinion of the president or kind of interact with the president. But but the day-to-day operation is most of the job, and it's far and away the more important part of the job. And even though she would not be inspiring, Clinton could have, you know, delivered she, she'd a be, she'd be fine an, speech. An administrator. I mean, the reason why I thought she yeah. would she would win is just because Obama was, you know, about as popular as Reagan going out. And then he was succeeded by H.W. Uh, Bush, who was not an inspiring figure, but was a pretty good administrator, I think, and a pretty good president. And I think Hillary would have essentially been the same. I think she would have 
only lasted for one term. And I think she would have gotten the job done, basically smashed through the the barrier, which would have been kind of nice. We would have felt good about that, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, I, th- I think and, those symbols um, are important. Like that, when Obama was elected, yeah. I was cynical enough and young enough to say that it didn't. Oh, he's a black president. What does it matter? Uh, I think that was just me being, you know, a young, dumb kid. Like, like it mattered a lot. That's an important symbol. So, yes, it is sad that we lost that symbol. I think I think those symbols, even though they're not as important as competent job performance, they they are they're not too far behind it. So Obama, I think, was a good president because he was a good president. But it's also amazing that he was black president in a country that still doesn't entirely seem to like black people. <laughs> hey guys, this is Eric Mack. We ended up recording about two hours worth of show for this episode, and uh, we want to keep each episode to about an hour, so we're just going to split this in half. So um, this is the end of uh, this particular episode. You're going to have to navigate to uh, episode number three of Liberally Correct to catch the second half. So we'll see you there. And to close out this particular episode, we are going to play another song from the Rage Against the Machine album Renegades. This was originally done by Bruce Springsteen in 1995. It's called The Ghost of Tom Joad. Oh,
Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.